Hello and welcome to the Pageant Buzz podcast. You are here with your hosts, Kristen and Rebecca. This is a podcast where we talk about glam, glitz, and what life is really like with a crown. This is a podcast for those girls who have inhaled more hairspray than they have oxygen. Hello and welcome to the Pageant Buzz podcast. Kristen is taking a week off and I am here with a very special guest today. It is Mrs. North Carolina America, Tara Almendinger, and I'm so thrilled to have you, Tara. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited to talk pageant and all the good things today. Yes. So your pageant to give up your title is coming up pretty soon. Yes, it is. It is Saturday, June 25th, and it is June 1st today. So it is officially pageant month. I can feel the adrenaline. I'm so excited for our competition. I mean, there are some beautiful girls. I am excited that like, I'm not a judge, so I can't (laughs) wait. And in looking back at this past year, will you just kind of give us some of the highlights of what you've gotten to accomplish? Tell us just some of your favorite things. I was thinking about that today, funny enough, because I was writing my uh, farewell speech and not everything can fit in 90 seconds. Hardly anything can fit just from this, this whole experience. And I found myself giggling and wandering toward my husband because uh, it's Mrs. Pageantry. And I had always wanted to do a pageant growing up. I had some health issues and, you know, I was focusing on school and athletics and it, it just didn't line up for me when I was in Nebraska. And when I got married, I remember on my wedding day going, gosh, darn it. I didn't do that pageant. And that's the only thing I regretted. And I was just sitting there like, kind of like meh. And then about like eight weeks later, I got a message from Mrs. North Carolina 2019, Phaedra Stone. She was like, hey, you should do this pageant. And I was like, what? There's Mrs. Pageantry. And that just kind of like, it just kind of set off this whole thing. And at the beginning, my husband was like, what are you doing? And the first time I did it, I got first runner up. And I kind of kept the process from him. Like, "Uh, I don't really know. I was sort of vulnerable. Didn't really want to share a whole lot with him. And the second time around, it was really kind of like a team effort. He, he'd seen that I was serious about it, that I was willing to execute this, that I wanted to do better. And he really took the narrative and ran with it. And so my husband is NASCAR Xfinity driver, AJ Allmendinger. And last year he was in the final four and that race took place in Phoenix. And they do a lot of media leading up to this, talking about their year and how their car is running, et cetera, and some of their mm-hmm. expectations. And AJ's in this press conference with the three other drivers and he starts to talk about, well, you know, my championship run is actually second in our house. My wife is going for Mrs. America and the whole room erupted and it kind of turned from what he was really working on to what I was working on and what we were together apart that people really didn't know. And so he took this narrative of being Mr. North Carolina to the next level. He rides around the track now for like this opening parade lap that they do before they start the race. And people are yelling, Mr. North Carolina. (laughs) And he has just like brought this like personification that's elevated the narrative. And it's really brought in our relationship and marriage and teamwork. And, you know, I have this thing that I'm passionate about and he has this thing that he's passionate about and together we can build a legacy on it and so it was just really funny to like look back and all of his different wins um that he he won a lot last year he just had a really great year and then I had a great year and so I think my favorite part was just like the fact that he took the narrative he ran with it and like he was a big part of it and like 
the, the deal was like, if I won Mrs. America, he was going to run Mr. America above his car. So oh my fun. gosh. Well, I loved following your Mrs. America prep because he was such a visible part of the process on social media from an outsider perspective. I could tell he was a hundred percent supportive. So on board. And as someone who's competed in Mrs. Pageantry, I know how important it is to have a partner who supports you and is with you in it. And it was very evident between the two of you. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to really talk about legacy and where we were headed and how we were a team together and that we both love, you know, chasing trophies and crowns. And that's just kind of been a part of our narrative. And so I love being part of my story and our story. And I think that's exciting now is even more so I get excited to get up and do the work, do the marriage work, be a part of my life and celebrate and find those ways to continue to romanticize your life and in the breath that you take in your relationships. And when you do that and you really dig into like these little interstitial things, like you just become more grateful for your life and for your opportunities. So I'm just, I love the spirit and the place that I am in personally. That's amazing. So you competed, I know, t- two years. The first year you mentioned you got first runner-up. Was that your first ever pageant? Had you competed ever in your life before that in an actual like competition like this? No, that was my very first one. That I, I, I just... I still look back and I <laughs> smile and laugh because I was like, I didn't know anything, but I knew that like that was the place I had to be. So that was the very first time. It was a huge group. We had like 23 contestants just for Mrs. North Carolina. So to finish first runner up, which was really third place because two women are crowned in the division, like, and, and finishing first runner up, let me tell you, that was the best thing, best thing that could have happened to me. Um, so I could learn and, and maybe not necessarily have to go through the full pandemic as a queen. I think there was a lot of blessings in that first runner up. I often say I feel like sometimes I won Mrs. Oklahoma like too soon because I did win on my first try and I wasn't prepared necessarily for what was coming. I just mm-hmm. sometimes wish I maybe had one more year under my belt, like you said, to just learn from things that you can improve upon and be so ready to execute your plan when you get that crown on your head. But I do believe everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. God's timing is perfect. So I can't complain that I won. I just sometimes wish, man, I wish I could have won just one more year after like let me take that first runner up spot then come back and just crush it but you just learned so much along the way and for me I learned so much prepping for nationals tell me about Vegas and the Westgate and your America week oh my goodness so that it was just the neatest experience and like you said having been first runner up I watched like everyone's moves so closely through the 2020 season and so when I finally got there it was just like oh this is the wall that I've been looking at through everyone's photos <laughs> like even those silly things like oh this is what everyone's taking photos by like it's real like every little thing was really exciting because I had watched everyone's journey and watched what they did and then when I finally got there, I'm like, wow, I'm the one that people are going to watch. And and so I really need to make sure I can capture this experience and share it with them because that visualization process for me was so important for when I got there, I felt like I belonged there. And that's yes. definitely what I felt. I felt like I 
belonged there. You know, it felt a little bit more familiar. I think that that's really important even to anybody that's competing or like you said, wins the first time. Go back and look at everyone's accounts and just like dig into the environment because when you get there, you feel like you're not an outsider. Totally. I was the first class at the Westgate. So Mm. before that, we didn't have it there. It was sometimes Mrs. America was in Arizona or Hawaii or different places. But my year in 2015 was the first year of the Westgate. And we did not have Elvis night. We didn't have several of the different experiences that now they offer during the week. So when I get to go back and watch the pageant as a, you know, just an audience member, I always look at those, like the little scooters that people take pictures on (laughs) outside of the restaurant, you know what I'm talking about? Or the flower wall, or I see those things. And now I'm like, oh, here's where the girls take the pictures all week. And it's just so fun (laughs) because my year, it was not quite that. Wow. So it has really developed and changed. And, And one thing that was really neat that our class got to do that usually they take like a a photo in your swimsuits by the pool as yes. kind of a class photo. I, I remember seeing that. And so I was kind of like, well, where did that? Well, we got to go to um, Seven Magic Mountain and that's in just outside of Las Vegas and that's the colored rocks. And so we got to go out there and take photos. And that was a really neat experience to be with 50 plus other women who just all of a sudden like stripped down around a bikini and everyone's <laughs> like, whoa. And then, you know, this was all these colorful photos and everybody's posing and asking people to take photos of them. Like, and I, it was kind of an uncomfortable experience, but you could tell we all sort of like got fiery and grew from this. Like we all kind of got close and bonded. And the whole time, I think what was really neat about our class is that it had this energy of camaraderie together and each of us, you could tell felt that. And I, we all kept talking to each other. Like, this is weird. Like, that's weird. We wouldn't have expected, like, everybody to just get along mm-hmm. and be like, any of you that win, is that's great. That, I'm fabulous. Like, it truly felt like a women's retreat yes. where at the end, just one of us got a crown. But it all felt like we all benefited. We all got stronger. And so, like, that's how I kind of like to explain, like, Mrs. Pageantry, because I think people go into it like, oh, I've got to win and it's a competition. Well, yeah, but it's also like a self-improvement process and and Mm -hmm. it really allows you to almost put your yourself like if you were a car since my husband's a NASCAR driver you put yourself up on the jacks and you work on yourself and you really get under the hood and you polish things up so that you're running at your optimal performance and so for me a pageant's like a time to kind of break it down build it back up and run a strong lap and see where you finish And so I, you know, I have a desire to continue to see, I don't have plans, but to continue to see like where this process can go now that I've been through such an immersive process, like the Mrs. America and the America system, like, I'm glad I started here because it's like, it's kind of almost like the college or university of pageants in a sense. And then once you graduate from this, then you can kind of go try it out at systems that maybe aren't quite as big or developed or maybe don't have, you know, a state pageant. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't feel like necessarily I would miss out because this one was so immersive. So it's like, right. if you don't know where to start, especially as someone that was new, start in the America system because this is where you're going to meet all the people from different states and connections. And, you know, I just feel like this is the one that's the full throttle one at the Mrs. level. I love all your references to car <laughs> stuff. Like it's full throttle. And that what you talked about, about how it's like, 
putting yourself up on the jack and working on yourself, that is such a great analogy for what the process is like to prepare, especially as a married woman or as an adult who is, you know, a little bit more developed in maturity of, you know, kind of what you want out of it. And you put those proper tools in there to get you that goal. Now I look at pageantry as a chance to practice my public speaking skills or talk about what I'm passionate about, my personal platform, and just really bring more awareness to those issues. It's not really much about self. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. What is your platform personal project you know impact statement what do you what are you passionate about my platform really is based on a mindset because everything starts in the mind winning begins in the mind and mental health is such a big buzzword but it's such a broad word and so through this process of really digging deep into some of my past pain um, and everyone's got a story it, it was just taking that story and taking it from a victim mindset of why is this happening to me to a mindset of victory. And so out of that became the wellness warrior and this whole platform of being the best advocate for yourself, knowing yourself first, then knowing others is the way that you fill up your cup and then it flows over to bless others. And if we're not in a good place deep internally, we're not going to be able to serve people and be the best wife, daughter, mother, whatever it might be. And so for me, I had to really dig deep. And I don't, like I said, I'd always wanted to do a pageant, but I have terrible food and environmental allergies. And for most of my life, until I was about 27, when I really started to figure it out, I was bloated. I had brain fog. I was always sick, always in bed, always in pain. And it really sidelined my life. And I always felt different. I felt like an imposter. I was bullied. I was kind of, I had like my stomach flora was really like dead. And if you know anything now recently, your gut health is connected to your mental health. Mm -hmm. And that was where my imbalance was, where it started. And I just was kind of off this whole time. And then I really started becoming an advocate for myself and pushing back and trying to figure out why I was allergic to different things. And I had to figure my diet out the hard way, the long way, cutting everything out, cold turkey, not listening to a lot of the diagnoses that were given to me, or even doctors telling me, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't think there's something wrong with your stomach. I think there's something wrong with you. You need to go see a psychologist. Like that hurt as a kid thinking that there was always something wrong with me. And In 2011, my mother passed away of pancreatic cancer and she was the most healthy, active person. And I was like, well, if I have all these issues and she's passed away, I'm like, whoa. And it became something that was like, actually, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me. My body is telling me what to watch out for so that I don't end up in the same spot. And she didn't have any warning triggers going off in her body. And so all of that started to change my mindset of, wow, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. This is a superpower. I can heal myself. I can educate myself. I can become stronger. I can turn this whole thing around and be a warrior for myself. And that's what I had to be. She was my warrior. I lost her. And I was like, oh, Superman's not coming. Like, I got to be this person. And so I think that's a really great message for today because technology and an easier lifestyle is learned helplessness. And 
we're just, we kind of just go by the way. So we don't know how our water gets clean. We don't really know how our food gets to us. We're not really cognizant of our health. And so this is, a, it was a really big wake up call to just go, we've got to go back to where does health and wellness start? And it's in our minds and it's in our internal bodies. And so that's the wellness warrior. It's kind of the long route to explain it, but it's all of us and it's mental health and it's physical health. And it's trying to just remain, you know, strong for ourselves and our family, but it's more mm. than that. It's for our country as well. Like I see this as having legs as a patriotic act, like to my next big steps is to create wellness camps for, for kids, for teens that we can start having, we have more of these conversations that aren't necessarily in like a governed or guided space, like a school. It needs to mm -hmm. happen outside of that. So, you know, what does mental health look like? You have to be a wellness warrior. You've got to go through some of your pain to figure it out, going around it, taking drugs, or just avoiding the situation is not tools for success. And so speaking about these strategies and tools is really the next step of the wellness warrior as well. I'm so incredibly thankful that you were able to advocate for yourself and stand up for your own health, do the testing that I'm sure it took on your own self to figure out what worked best for you. And I'm very thankful you were able to do that pre-pandemic because the mental health like space, I feel like is so different coming out of the pandemic, especially for those youth and the kids. So it's really cool. Like these camps, I love this idea. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of work ahead, but you know, it's one of those things. If you just start talking about it, mm -hmm. I, I, it it does come together, and that's another thing I've learned through the pageant process. Every time I thought of something, or needed something, or wasn't sure about something, neither prayed about it or said it out loud or thought it, God always put it right in front of me, and I was like, "Wow!" And like yes. this process has just been one of those like you kind of always have chills and you're mm -hmm. almost always fighting back tears. And you're just like, <gasps> it like takes your breath away. And I think through this whole process and even at Mrs. America, I teared up every day at a gratitude. And I, I do that even today, like I'm even more, I think close to my mortality. And I think that makes me more aware and alive and, just more involved in my life process to romanticize mm -hmm. it, to know what's going on under the hood, literally. Like how does mm -hmm. this, how does this car work? And like treating yourself like you're a Ferrari, like good, like a Ferrari has to have like good fuel. You cannot put like E85, no, you know, in a Ferrari and expect <laughs> it to run at top performance. You couldn't put, you know, regular fuel in an airplane. It's not going to fly. So it's like, I had to start putting myself up on a pedestal and say, you know, you just, you're, you run at a higher level. Why don't you just run at a higher level and treat yourself that way? Like, why don't you treat yourself like a queen? Like, how come you do that for everyone else, but not yourself? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, a lot of us get caught up in that. I think we feel guilt in our society to just be busy and go and just run ourselves into the ground. And that that's supposed to give us like value. And that's what success looks like. And it's like, no, that's, I think, and I hope out of the pandemic, a lot of people, came to that realization and learned like what is important versus like what just seems important, but isn't really. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, totally. So you, I know are incredibly active as far as like fitness goes and wellness. Tell us just if you could a little bit about your fitness side of prep for state nationals. What, what did you do differently? If anything. 
I did. So typically, I mean, I continued to lift weights, but I had changed to a gym um, and started working with someone who just was a little bit more common sense and just broke it down for me simply. So that just kind of kept, kept going lifting. That's normal. But he also taught karate, um, American freestyle karate. And there's a dojo attached to this gym. And he was like, I think you should start taking karate. And I was like, well, okay, sure. You know, you haven't led me in the wrong way yet. So I was like, okay, I didn't say no. I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, okay. And he was like, all right. So I started taking American freestyle karate in July, right after I won to prepare my mind for nationals. And I'm so glad I did because it really was like mentally, you had to be really tough. And like, you know, it's one of those things where I just continued to build a relationship with myself through confrontation. And I just kept proving to myself how strong, how like awesome of a person I could be if I just pushed and kept consistent. And I was like, well, look at this, like, look at me, I've got another belt. I've got another belt. And like this Friday coming up, I'll have another belt test. And so that's what I did differently was I, I actually turned up the heat on myself through confrontation, through tough love, but it, it just keeps like being this like giving thing to me. And I think that's why my confidence is rising is because like, I have a really good relationship with myself. Like I'm not scared to kind of go kick my butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh wow, that was great. And it's like, you give yourself a hug at the end of it. And you're so thankful. That I don't know that you do that. Yeah. I truly don't know that I've ever heard of anyone picking up karate as part of pageant prep, but I love that. Like the <laughs> mental side of it. Plus you sort of get a, to wear a sash in a way. It kind of goes perfectly oh, yeah. together because the belt's are like a crown and sash. I love that. I think it's a great pairing. I love it. I'm pretty serious about this warrior thing, like physically, mentally, yeah. spiritually, soulfully. And um, the next kind of step in this is to pick up like weapons kata Mm -hmm. weapon and so i'm going to start learning how to do different sword katas like my ultimate goal would just be like continue to put on muscle and learn all these like awesome moves with swords and come out and talk to kids like in my ball gown and in a sash and in the crown and then like come back out and they're gonna be like oh but you also can do that and be like oh Uh this is like you should see like women like women strong feminine just like intelligent nerdy like active women like they're everywhere. We just got to like kind of draw each other out and, and attract each other to it. Cause like, yeah. that's my whole goal. I'm like, man, if, if, if people can see me, they can be me. And I'm like, why don't not just be like Xena, the warrior princess, like just shred it out, be the queen, like be the nerd, be all of it and show people like, look at this, look at, you're a warrior too. This is awesome. Like mm-hmm. you can do it if I can do it. Totally. Okay. So speaking of ball gowns, speaking of a little bit more of the feminine girly fashionista fashionista in you tell us a little bit about your favorite piece of your wardrobe from oh my goodness I think my national gown is my favorite mostly because that's just this this ideal that we hold in our heads and then when it became real I was like wow this is the dress I'm gonna wear like that for me it was just real. And unfortunately it was the most expensive piece as well. Yes. It doesn't yes. have to be. And I want to say that message on the other side, like, no, you do not have to. And like, I didn't feel like I had to, but it just was the dress. And I'm like, all right, well, this is the dress, but you don't, it was the most expensive one, but it was custom made for me. And so to me, it was almost like the gilding of the process. Like it was just that final piece that was like your armor mm-hmm. that was for you. And so like, that dress is my armor. And through the middle, they made it It as a a Giovanni dress. And and 
to the, the middle kind of where my stomach is, is where the rhinestones are. And it kind of comes into a little bit of a, like a triangle. But to me, the positioning of where those were was the center of my pain. And that mm. was what freed me. And I was like, this is like a, a graduation dress. It's kind of shows where my scars are, but it had sparkles and rhinestones and these beautiful sparkles and rhinestones over the places that I had the most pain inside. And I was just like, wow, what well, a gift. Yeah. It's like so much symbolism in that moment and in that piece. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. I also thought you, your dress was just phenomenal and you were a finalist. How did it feel when they called your name? Oh, I felt so good. It felt like, you know, that was the part that I was really trying to get to. It was, my goal was to be top 15. If I won or got further, that was great. And that was, you know, in the process and, and I trusted God on that. You know, he has called me to be faithful, but that top 15 to just say that you went to a national pageant and you made it that cut to just kind of go on and get the pink swimming suit. Like I just got to feel the full experience because I got to top 15 and that's, I think I would have been sad coming away, not having a piece that I could have worked toward to get. So that pink swimming suit was like that piece, you know, that's like, okay, I, I got that yeah. part. Yeah. That's like probably more exciting than getting like the plaque or the medal that they give you for being a finalist is like getting the the final it, swimsuit. <laughs> it, it really is a big deal. And it hangs in my closet. Like I, it's, there's a lot of things aren't in there, but that does hang in there. Like to mm -hmm. me, it represents everything that I overcame, all the yeah. stomach pain, all of that, especially being a swimsuit. When you have stomach pain and you're bloated and you're not feeling very good, that's the last thing you want to wear. So it was just like it, the swimming suit and especially the bikini beyond that, that'll be the next steps. The swimming suit for me is like that, that like, oh, because I don't feel horrible like I used to feel. I want to be in a swimming suit now on a stage. I never wanted to before I figured all my allergies out. So the swimming suit's important to me. So I know a lot of our listeners have either a gluten intolerance, a dairy intolerance, something that they just can't eat, like, you know, maybe the rest of the country. And we get questions sometimes about how do you pack your own food for a pageant? How do you eat at a pageant and not make yourself sick? So I'd love to ask you what you did during the week to make sure you didn't have any flares. Yeah. So um, for me, I have... Uh... Uh, celiac disease. I'm lactose intolerant. I struggle with cane sugar. I'm allergic to lemon and there I have different seasonal allergies. So depending on what pollen is in the air, I have an algorithm. And basically like, I know it's simple. It's just like rotisserie chicken. You can't go wrong with that. Typically you can like get that from if you're somewhere else, like Instacart it from Whole Foods or Sprouts mm -hmm. or something that's got, you know, you shredded chicken or, or rotisserie chicken available. I would get those and then I kind of tear them apart and put them in like baggies or in your fridge. That's a big part of my protein. And then like hard boiled eggs, you can often get those or there's this like little portable, like it'll make like four hard boiled eggs at a time. And I have a mini waffle maker as well. So like if I don't have a toaster, at least I can warm something up and it's almost like a George Foreman type of thing. So I care, I traveled with my little mini water or my little mini, um, waffle maker and I traveled with a little blender and so then I would bring like my protein mix and I drink cashew milk so you don't have to have that cold so there there's a lot of things that you have to kind of think about like okay what won't go bad where can I I can get the chicken but I could bring the protein I could bring that and then um I'll I make if I'm 
close, I can make like these certain waffles or muffins that I can eat, like some of my recipes, but there's a couple different brands like Vans waffles. I can get away with eating those like in the morning with some eggs maybe. Mm-hmm. And then just like veggies, you can get your veggies and you can order like, I don't know, your celery or carrots. And then for me, my big thing was like, if I don't have fat, I fade. Like protein is super important, but I would like, I'll, I'll just say I get like straight up dumb. I'm like, <laughs> where is my brain? I can't think there's no thoughts. I'm just like, there's no words. It's almost like you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? And so at Mrs. America, I got a big thing of peanut butter and celery. And that was a way for me to get my fiber and water. So you get that deep water into your guts because sometimes when you travel or get nervous, your tummy Uh gets weird. And that is like, if you, that whole schedule's off, your whole performance is off. So like protein, fat, and deep water, like celery or cucumbers, you're going to have to get that deep in your gut. So that's Mm kind of how I I do it because you can kind of travel with those things. I was able to get some Instacart orders when I was at the Westgate. And then I had brought um, like a little lunch box and they had a refrigerator in the room. So you, and I had like these little things you can freeze. So on the day of the pageant, and then I would pack myself a little lunch. I put some peanut butter in there. I put some shredded chicken in there and I had like, Oh, like popcorn. I can have popcorn. So I would eat uh-huh. that just to kind of give me some salty crunchy, you know? So that's how I did it. And then I also um, had maple syrup. I don't do honey because of the old pollen allergies, but maple syrup, I was able to get kind of a pep. And like, I learned that through bodybuilding yeah. and fitness competitions. Like my coach had kind of told me how to eat backstage. And I rolled that into how I ate backstage at a pageant the second time around in at national. So just little bits of chicken. I had some maple syrup and then I had like maybe some peanut butter and like a, a carrot. And that was enough fat, protein, and just enough of a sugar to keep me even. And I didn't drop because I get mm-hmm. hypoglycemic and then I just drop out. So it was just kind of like another car analogy, like the fuel injector. I just kind of had like a, like a little bit of an idol and never came off of like mood, like food, nothing, food, nothing. It was just uh-huh. like kind of a little bit of an energy stream. So I never was like, out of it it kind of is like the pageant version of chicken and waffles with it your is. maple syrup and your chicken I bet yeah I can think it's like this is like the queen version of chicken and waffles like not fried chicken not like a big <laughs> huge waffle but like it's got that inspo I love it so funny you need to start like a little um, like food blog type thing where people can follow and find all these recipes or does that exist <laughs> it, it is actually in the works funny you say that um, I've got um, a couple things in the queue that I'm going to record. My website's just about built, but that's really the combination of the website is like a lot of things that I repeat eat and I call it, I've kind of titled it the waffle queen. And I, because I eat this waffle recipe all the time, you make them into muffins. So that's going to be one of the big staples that I put onto this website and then just kind of how I prep. And then some of those things, the beauty things and the, mm-hmm. you know, the products that I love, but it's more the, the, the lifestyle of yeah. how to do it. Like that's really what's going to be more of the content that I focus on, I think outside of Instagram, Instagram's great, but I've kind of, I think what Instagram is becoming is more of like for skits and things that lead you to the bigger picture, which will be, of course, you know, YouTube and um, the online. So that's all coming. Definitely look for that. I, once I give up my crown, I'll have a little bit of time to focus on that fun stuff. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait to follow. This is like right up my alley. So I'm super into it. Okay. Well, every single episode at the end of the episode, um, 
Kristen calls me Chris Jenner because I was like her momager um, during her year of Mrs. Ohio. I was our coach leading up to state, coached her for nationals, and I did. They all call me Chris, like Mama Chris. I don't know. It's just funny, but we call it the Chris's question of the week. And I just throw out a practice question for anybody who's listening to use as pageant prep. And you can answer if you want to, but you don't have to. So no pressure. Awesome. So this week, our Chris Chris's question of the week is. If you had 24 hours to do anything you wanted, no rules, no budget, what are you doing and where are we going? Hmm. If I had 24 hours, I would actually go fly to Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I'm from. And there is a thing called tanking. And you put a cow tank in the river and you get your closest family and friends and you just float down the river. And I'd really want my husband to come and do this like immerse in this like country kid culture and so I would take him down the Elkhorn River and then we would go up to the Niobrara River and there's waterfalls actually in Nebraska and like I would just want to dig into some of like the the wild places in Nebraska that people don't really know about because like that's where I'm from and I'm like my heart is to share that, but also to kind of get into that too. Like I've never been tanking. I've always wanted to. So that's the first thing that comes to my head. And I just want to be a country kid. <laughs> that sounds so fun. So I did grow up on a ranch and we had big cattle tanks, but they were in the ground. I grew up in Texas and those, you couldn't take them out of the ground, but we, <laughs> we did use them as like swimming pools. And yes. I know that's disgusting, but we did like we would no. fill up the cattle tank with hose, like water from the water hose and sit in the pool it is you know it's not a real pool but that's what we thought was so fun growing up my kids here in like the city life they don't know about all that no and I have a dog pool and the other day I was tanning and I filled that thing up and sat in it and that was my Instagram post I was like should I upgrade to a cow a cow tank next year and people (laughs) was funny and I was like no but really like that's how I grew up like we all had like barrels or own everybody got a barrel and you could stand yep. in it and it was great because you just needed to cool off yes no I get it I was right I was right there with you growing up I, mean, I totally understand so I don't think you're crazy because that was my life well is there anything else that you would like to share and please be sure to like plug where we can find you on social media websites anything let us know for all the listeners where they can find you Yes. Uh, the main place that I am right now is on Instagram and that's at Mrs.Almendinger, A-L-L-M-E-N-D-I-N-G-E-R. I'm also on Twitter. If anyone is on Twitter, um, that's more of a sports realm and that's at Tara underscore Lee. Um, and then look for my website, TaraAlmendinger.com. That's coming with the fun recipes and just kind of some more adventures and tips. Oh, well, I can't wait. And we'll link all of that in the show notes for everybody to go and find you. If in the meantime, you ever are doing anything super exciting and you'd love to come back on as a guest, we would always love to have you back. Oh, absolutely. There is so much planned. We, I have just scratched the surface, so I have lots to talk about and lots to do. Let's do this. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening and have a wonderful week. We will look forward to talking to you again next week on the Pageant Buzz. We are currently booking our next guest. So follow us on Instagram at pageantbuzzpod and send us a DM if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast.